Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. In our parts, that Cam Newton guy got the walking boot off his foot. That's good news. He's not practicing today, but you can see him there in Charlotte working off to the side with the trainers as his teammates are getting back to work for preseason game number four. That'll be against the Steelers. Remember, the Rams arrive on September 8th as the real games get underway. That Cam Newton back in action, not quite, but good news story, was overwhelmed nationally and, dare we say, internationally this weekend. One of the most shocking retirements in the history of American sports. I don't think that is an exaggeration. Andrew Luck has accomplished as much prior to the age of 30 as all but a small handful of quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. When you put his pre-30 numbers, and he's 29, in his prime when healthy, right? When you put his numbers only against all other QBs, but just what they had done before 30, not their whole career, but what they did essentially in their 20s at the most important position on the field. It is Peyton Manning, and then it is Andrew Luck, according to some of the numbers crunchers. That's how high up in those rankings he is in some eyes. By the way, in some other measurements, Cam Newton is on that short list as well. He's a guy who just turned that page as a 30-something. When I was not even born yet, a guy that some consider to this moment the greatest NFL player ever, Jim Brown, became, in 1966, one of the most shocking retirements in the history of American sports. He was a young guy. He was already becoming a movie star. He was in a salary back-and-forth flux with the owner of the old Cleveland Browns. He was a nine-year NFL player, and he had been a nine-time pro bowler, nine out of nine. He was that good. He remains viewed through that lens. And you know what he did that year after the owner of the Browns didn't like how he was spending too much time working on a movie and Jim Brown didn't like what he was scheduled to make the following season? Jim Brown just said, that's it, I'm done. And that was one of the most shocking retirements. Again, nine years, nine Pro Bowls. You can't do much better than that. One of the best in the history of that league and sport, even through the lens of 2019, Jim Brown in 1966, I was told by my elders, was the most shocking retirement that they could think of. In my lifetime, that Michael Jordan guy fits that description. It was 1993. Remember, the Chicago Bulls had won three straight NBA championships in the early 90s. Michael Jordan played for Dean Smith right here in North Carolina in the early 80s. He turns pro. It takes him a while. But by the early 90s, didn't take him a while. It took the Bulls a while to win it all. And then once they won one, they won two, they won three. And there it was. Michael Jordan had just turned 30 years old. But it was a weird time in Michael's life for a variety of reasons. His dad had been murdered on the side of the highway that summer. 
And the previous year, he said he had felt extra exhausted because he had not only led with Scottie Pippen and friends, the Bulls, to that third straight NBA title. That's not only three straight years of the full regular season, but then the full extent of a postseason. And remember, leading up to that three-year run, Michael had been on other really good playoff teams. They just couldn't get over the hump. So you're talking about 80-plus games every year in the regular season. You're talking about dozens more every single year, including the three years in a row where the Bulls won it all. And then he was named to the Dream Team in 1992. So he said he, he loves the game, but he had never felt more exhausted. And he remembers thinking to himself, man, I'm honored to represent my country. Remember, prior to that, the Collegians were representing our country in international basketball and everything else. So when the Dream Team concept came along, of course, Michael wanted to play. Michael did play. Three-time NBA champion, Olympic gold medalist, but he was exhausted. Nothing to do with the love for the game. He's just like, man, I'm 30 now. I don't know if I got an offseason at all, and now I'm supposed to try to lead the Bulls to another NBA title. Where there it was in the fall of 1993. It was on the cusp of the season in 1966 when Jim Brown left the Cleveland Browns, never to return to the NFL. Michael's 1993 retirement, of course, was a temporary one. By 94, he was playing minor league baseball. And then eventually he became that three-more-time NBA champion, another three-peat with the Bulls later in the 90s. But the, I remember the shock. I was in law school at the time. 1993, Michael Jordan retires. That's in air quotes, given that he came back. And I remember feeling like what my dad and my uncles and others had told me about Jim Brown, greatest ever, retiring at a young age, at a weird time on the calendar. In Jim Brown and Michael Jordan's case, the season was about to begin, and then they just pulled the plug. Well, there it was last night. I got some worst of the weekend votes for the media for breaking the news. Because they believe Adam Schefter of ESPN and others breaking the Andrew Luck is retiring news led directly to the booing of Andrew Luck by Colts fans. And those Colts fans became worst of the weekend votes from other members of our statewide listening audience here on the David Glenn Show. We'll get to all your best and worst of the weekend. We have Cam Newton updates. Troy Aikman is in the headlines. Yankee slugger Aaron Judge hit my inbox. Rory McIlroy in golf just picked up the biggest winner's check in the history of that sport. $15 million as the FedEx Cup champion. The Florida Gators beat the Miami Hurricanes. Just the return of actual games in college football was the best of the weekend for many. The Little League World Series is once again ours. Go USA. The boys from Louisiana took out a team from Curacao in the U.S. versus international final. The San Diego Padres trolled Boston Red Sox fans with Neil Diamond's famous Sweet Carolina, Sweet Caroline song, which has become an anthem for Red Sox fans. That was a creative best of the weekend. The U.S. Open in tennis is underway. Four of the greatest in the history of the sport are in action at Flushing Meadows. The three men's goats are one, two, and three in the seeds, Djokovic and Federer and Nadal. It's one joker, two Nadal, three Federer, according to the seeds. Serena Williams is not the number one seed because she's had time off for childbirth and other things, but... Of course, she is among the headliners and the women's greatest of all time. She actually gets another outstanding player. Some of you only think of Maria Sharapova as a businesswoman or an endorser or a controversial Russian tennis player. 
it's easy to forget that she has also been the number one ranked player in the world. She's not even near that nowadays. But talk about an interesting opening round draw. Serena Williams against Maria Sharapova tonight. And that will be in primetime on ESPN. Team USA in basketball had its 78-game winning streak ended. I have been warning you that this is coming because it is one of the most watered-down Team USA basketball rosters that I have seen in 30 years of the pros, roughly, representing our country in international competition. The loss did not come in, say, the World Cup, which is about to begin in China, but Greg Popovich taking the baton from Mike Krzyzewski has some early indigestion after Team USA lost to Australia. Of course, I want your thoughts on the Andrew Luck retirement. I have a question of the day along those lines. We have Ryan McGee of ESPN on all things college football. There was a lot more action elsewhere in the NFL in the preseason, of course, going back to the Panthers playing and losing Cam Newton last Thursday night against the Patriots. 1-800-849-2761 will be your ticket into the David Glenn Show throughout the course of today's programs. Troy Aikman came to Andrew Luck's defense after a handful of media members, I don't know how many, but ESPN's Dan Dockich, who actually has his own radio show in specifically the state of Indiana. So he's been talking about Andrew Luck for, you know, a whole decade virtually at this point. I know that Doug Gottlieb of FS1 was another one who took his shot at Andrew Luck's retirement. Among the things that Gottlieb said was retiring because rehabbing is quote-unquote too tough is the most millennial thing ever. I don't know if that upset you millennials out there, but you can vent with us today at the David Glenn Show. My question, did any of Luck's critics make good points? I disagree with a lot of the points. I don't think every one of their points was a bad point. But for those of you who have not sold your soul, for those of you who like to follow evidence and listen when you see something that you might not understand, for those of you who don't go straight for the angry, mean-spirited jugular, for those of you who want to know, Andrew, what's going on in your life, man? What led to this decision? I know we live in a world filled with angry, mean-spirited, knee-jerk reactions to whatever the latest headline is. In the end, if after you look from all angles, you still feel that way, I'll respect your opinion. If you're just a Twitter troll, if you're just an angry person, if you're just another one of those people who hears a cult leader say a two-word phrase, and that's somehow more important than, you know, a multi-year, multi-million dollar research project on some topic or the other. If you believe the cult leader's two-word phrase over the actual evidence and facts, you're probably not, not in the target market for the David Glenn Show. But if you haven't sold your soul, if you're willing to just listen and then make a verdict, a conclusion about Andrew Luck bailing on his team or being the ultimate millennial, all rehab's too hard, Doug Gottlieb says, so you're just going to retire the most millennial thing ever. Again, I don't agree with most of the criticism, but I see some fair points and, of course, by the way, former NC State star Jacoby Brissett's world and life just changed because who's the new quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts now that Andrew Luck has officially retired? Technically, he's being put on a special list just in case he changes his mind like Michael Jordan did. But we have the question of the day. Do any of Luck's critics make good points? And the broader question, no matter how long you've been a sports fan, what is the most shocking retirement that you recall in all of American sports, 
Again, Jim Brown in 1966 and Michael Jordan in 1993. It's tough to beat that. But there are other examples, certainly in the NFL, of guys retiring young, even as players of distinction. We'll get right to your calls on the other side. We'll pick over all of your best and worst of the weekend votes. What does that come down to? What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe over the extended weekend? And why? What was the worst thing you saw? And what made it that? We'll get to the rest. The Florida Gators over the Canes. Rory McIlroy, Aaron Judge, Troy Aikman, Cam Newton, the Padres, the U.S. Open, Team USA in basketball, Jacoby Brissett. 1-800-849-2761. Steve and Matt want to get our statewide and beyond phone calls rolling. Ryan McGee joins from ESPN in hour number two. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music that's for that? Right. That's right. Bette Midler. There we go. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. Honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle of injury, pain, rehab, injury, injury pain, rehab. Uh, and it's been unceasing, unrelenting, both in season, both in and off season. Uh, and I felt stuck in it. And the only way I see out uh, is, is to to no longer play football. Uh, it's, it's taken my joy of this game away. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Ryan McGee of ESPN next hour. It's a huge week in college football. The Gators beat the Canes to get things started, among other matchups over the weekend. We have a lot to talk about around here. But Andrew Luck's retirement, of course, the biggest news of the entire sports world over the weekend. As we get to how and why Aaron Judge of the Yankees, Rory McIlroy of the golf world, Troy Aikman, the San Diego Padres, Team USA, and others made our inbox for best or worst of the weekend as we take your votes right now and also your answers to our question of the day. Remember the number, 1-800-849-2761. That was the voice of Andrew Luck. Here's your question as I offer my two cents and we welcome yours. Do any of Andrew Luck's critics over these last not even 24 hours make good points? I disagree with much of what Dan Dockich and Doug Gottlieb and other Randrew Luck critics have said, but I don't think they're without any good points, and I'll elaborate as we take your calls, 1-800-849-2761. The broader question, what is the most shocking retirement that you recall in your entire life as a sports fan? Michael Jordan, the first time, 1993. Jim Brown, before I was born, 1966, best player in the NFL, still clearly in his prime, steps away from the Cleveland Browns, nine seasons, nine Pro Bowls, in part because he was starting to like being an actor, in part because, and this is nothing new to 2019, he didn't think he was getting paid what he deserved as a guy who had been to nine Pro Bowls in nine NFL seasons. Magic Johnson, another good answer to the question. Keep in mind that whereas Jim Brown stayed retired from the NFL forever, Michael Jordan did come back after the 1993 retirement, did win more MVPs, did win three more NBA titles. That Magic Johnson guy who shocked the world, remember in his case it was the HIV diagnosis, Retires in 1991. By the All-Star Game in 1992, he was already back and did more great things after unretiring, if you will. You knew, if you know the United States in 2019, as we come to your calls, you knew 
that when Andrew Luck, mega millionaire, used phrases like quite exhausted, quite tired, mental and emotional toll, you knew there was going to be blowback because there are enough Americans just resentful toward pro athletes in the general sense or resentful that he's making that much money and they're not or resentful that they or their mom or dad or grandpa or grandpa had to work in the fields forever or got black lung working in the coal mines and it was tough for them. They were emotionally exhausted. They were mentally exhausted. Heck, they were diseased in a, to a degree that is even tougher, the argument goes, than Andrew Luck's self-described cycle of pain and rehab and playing and pain and rehab and playing. If you're new to that part of his story, as we come to your calls, just keep in mind, this is a guy who has had at least one diagnosed concussion as a football player, likely more, cracked ribs, a lacerated kidney, shoulder problems so severe that, remember, he played with that issue for two consecutive seasons and then missed the entirety of the 2017 campaign because of that shoulder issue. Now, he was the NFL's comeback player of the year last year, and that's why this is going to be forever one of the answers up there with Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and Jim Brown. What is the most shocking retirement you recall in your life as a sports fan? Andrew Luck stepping away this way at 29, this close to the start of the season, with mega millions of dollars at stake, with the Colts projected to win their division by most people. Now Jacoby Brissett steps in, the former Wolfpack star, as the Colts starter. Vegas has reacted. Colts with Andrew Luck were a 16-1 to shot to win the Super Bowl. Do you know what they are without Andrew Luck? 50-1. to that's not a slight change, even though it's only, only in air quotes, one man on your 53-man roster after cut day on August 31st. 1-800-849-2761. What is that most shocking retirement you recall in all of sports? And do any of Luck's critics make any good points? As we come to your calls, Doug Gottlieb of FS1 said, Andrew Luck's retiring because rehabbing is too hard. That's the most millennial thing ever. Troy Aikman, broadcaster, former Cowboys quarterback, stepped forward with this, responding directly to Doug Gottlieb, and then we'll come to my thoughts and your calls. That is total BS, Doug. What qualifies you to decide how someone should live their life? So you're now the authority on what motivates Andrew Luck? And if his decisions don't fit into what you think is best for him, you just rip him? Guess that keeps you employed at FS1. Nice. That was Troy Aikman's response to a guy that got worst of the weekend votes. Doug Gottlieb and the Indiana-based Dan Dockich also got his own share. I do think Dan makes one fair point. If you're a Colts fan, there has been a level of dishonesty between your franchise and your fan base and a lack of transparency between that organization and the fan base that has been outrageous for years. My point on that is not to get mad at Andrew Luck. It is not the quarterback's job to give you medical updates. The team has to decide, think about it, going into the 2017 season, where Andrew Luck, remember, never ends up playing at all. You renewed a lot of season tickets. You sold a lot of single-game tickets, implying that, yes, Andrew was going to battle through shoulder surgery for the third year in a row, as he had done in 2015 and 2016. He was going to gut it out. 
Well, there were lies. There was a total lack of transparency. Again, I get it. If I work for a pro sports franchise, I cannot share every last piece of information. Some of it violates the player's privacy. You'd actually be violating the law in some cases if you volunteered too much information. At the same time, you shouldn't lie to your fan base outright. And the Colts have done that during the Andrew Luck era. That's, the, that's maybe one of the only points I've seen on the right side, if you will, about this Andrew Luck fallout. Dockich made it. He's been there all along. He's been talking about this theme for almost a decade now. Andrew Luck, remember, number one overall out of Stanford. The year after, Cam Newton was number one overall to your Panthers out of Auburn. Remember, if Luck had left Stanford early, which a lot of people thought he would, he'd probably been the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers this last decade. That's how close this was. If he had left when many people thought he would, he'd have, been, he'd have spent the last eight years in a Carolina Panthers uniform. And we would have had a supercharged version of this conversation. Regardless, even though he's been only with the Indianapolis Colts, this is one of the most shocking retirements in all of sports. We'll get more of yours at 1-800-849-2761. I would, I'm, I'm used to Gottlieb just pulling pins and throwing grenades, whether or not he has any idea what he's talking about. So my expectations of him are extremely, extremely low. He's the guy who on this show told you that Roy Williams was in such bad shape health-wise he was going to retire and that Hubert Davis was going to be the new head coach of the Tar Heels. I knew that that was so outrageously misinformed and wrong that on the air I told Dud Gottlieb I'd put a million dollars up that he's wrong and that he's just completely speaking out of the wrong orifice, has no clue from afar, and as a guy who has spent 32 years covering the ACC, including the Tar Heels, I knew, A, Roy Williams wasn't going to retire, much closer to the program than Doug ever will be. And, B, even when Roy Williams does retire, it happens to everybody. Coach K's in his 70s now. Roy Williams is only a handful of years behind. It'll happen. There's no way the Tar Heels are going to hand over the reins to one of the most prestigious jobs in the history of college sports, UNC basketball, to even a beloved family member like Hubert Davis if Hubert has not been a head coach, period. No exceptions, period. And they love Hubert. That's not the point. It was speaking from a point of complete ignorance in two different ways, and I call people out for that. I believe the world's a better place when you speak a lot, boldly even, in your areas of expertise, and all of us should speak less and more lightly outside of our areas of expertise. So he was exposed as an outrageous fraud, on that particular topic that hit close to home here. This is more a matter of opinion. I'm not a millennial, so I'm not super sensitive about whatever accusations come your way. Darren Vaught, are you technically a millennial or not? At technically, almost 30 I, years I, don't, old? I don't love What's the, the label. Cutoff? I think it's stupid. Uh, I know people people who are in their mid-30s to late-30s right now, I think. They I, I'm not sure exactly what the cutoff is, but yeah, no. I don't people, think of late-30s as millennial, but that's because this is not exactly throw, my wheelhouse. That's because people use it as a throwaway term to mean young people when most young people, even adults now, you know, a lot of young people don't even fit that description, technically speaking. If millennial means a lot of bad things, you're not a millennial or you're an exception <laughs> to the rule because you're like the opposite of all of these implications that I hear. Retiring because of rehabbing is too hard for Andrew Luck. That's the most millennial thing ever. Doug Gottlieb filed that. Troy Aikman responded, I think, with a sentiment that most former athletes 
and certainly a huge majority of former athletes who have had serious injuries and have had to battle through them physically, mentally, and emotionally. I think Troy was speaking for a larger chunk of America. But Doug Gottlieb was cer- and Dan Dockich were certainly speaking for some smaller percentage of America when they took their shots at Andrew Luck. More of my thoughts with more of yours. Steve is in Apex, and next up on Best and Worst of the Weekend, we'll get to Matt as well. You can join us at 1-800-849-2761. What's going on, Steve? What's up, Dave? Doing great, man. Dave, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I agree with everything, you know, Troy Aikman said. I mean, really? You really going to dictate and tell somebody what's wrong with their body? I mean, when they, you know, just the kidney, I mean, just the liver laceration itself. Imagine he gets back real hard. I mean, he actually, I think it's a smart move, even if he sit out a year and come back. I think it's, he knows how to, he knows his body better than anybody. I mean, that's the most. You know what, statement, I can't even see it on there. But, I'm with you, you know, on this, man. And, and by the way, for those who haven't followed Andrew Luck, the guy's body of work as a human being, I use that phrase a lot. Somebody who makes a questionable decision after having a questionable body of work as a human being, I, like, you know, Lance Armstrong lied on purpose to personally destroy close friends' lives. You don't get the benefit of the doubt of me from me for the rest of your life when you purposely destroy your friends' lives when you know they're telling the truth. That is a character flaw so deep that I will hold it against you until the day that you die. Other than violent crime and a short list of other things, personally ruining a friend that you know is telling the truth is about as bad as it gets. So I don't give people like Lance Armstrong giving their embarrassingly bad bodies of work. They don't deserve or get the benefit of the doubt, not for me. Andrew Luck is a guy who is liked and respected universally among his own teammates and his opponents by the owner of his team who just allowed him to keep $25 million Jim Ursay had a contractual right because of the way bonus money and signing money is distributed. When a guy leaves, he's retiring three years into this deal, contractually, Jim Ursay could have asked for a total of about $25 million back. An owner does not say, you know what, Andrew? Keep it. Unless there is a deep level of respect. And for those who didn't know, yes, Andrew Luck was communicating privately to the team owner about his feelings. He wasn't sure he'd get back in football when he was sitting out that year in 2017. He had depression-like symptoms and emotions back then. He communicated some of them to the Colts. Well, not pri- not publicly again, but yeah, the guy at the top, the guy who signed your paychecks. Jim Irsay had glowing things to say about Andrew Luck. I saw Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, an opposing owner, come out and say overwhelmingly glowing things about Andrew Luck. I know we're living in a world where people like to be angry and they like to be knee-jerk and they like to sometimes, I mean, we're in a world where a toddler-type temperament somehow is ruling over actual statesmanship and leadership. That's where we are. So I know that a smaller percentage is going to favor knee-jerk attack because Andrew Luck used phrases like, I'm quite tired, I'm quite exhausted, it's a mental toll, it's an emotional toll. Some people are so resentful, and they're carrying around so much anger about what others have that they don't, that it's just going to be knee-jerk attack mode. I think most of you are better than that, and I think the more you hear about Andrew Luck's personal journey, 
again, bad people don't listen long enough to find out these other things. Did you know he got married this year? Did you know that he found out he's going to be a dad this year for the first time? If I listed the most jolting moments of my lifetime, several of them are hitting Andrew Luck right now. And you just have to be willing to listen a little longer rather than going into knee-jerk, angry guy attack mode because Andrew Luck used words like tired and exhausted as he announced his shocking retirement at the age of 29. Seriously, it's a good litmus test for the difference between good people and bad people. I gave you an example of where a critic had a quality point. If you're not willing to listen to somebody who just had what he described as the hardest decision of his life, if you're into attack mode before taking even a glimpse into his world, you're probably a bad person who needs to think things through the next time a story like this comes along. What is the most shocking retirement you recall in all of sports? And do any of Lux critics make good points? I found at least one. I don't think there are many, but we'll keep trying at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. David Glenn Show. Andrew Luck has retired at 29 in his prime, coming off a Pro Bowl season, in the midst of a five-year, $123 million extension with the Colts that he signed three years ago. Folks who fit that description in the history of the NFL at the quarterback position at that age simply do not get up and leave. It just doesn't happen. There are other famous, relatively early retirements in football. Barry Sanders at a young age, despite still being a productive running back. Calvin Johnson, remember, not long ago at a relatively young age, despite being an amazing wide receiver. And I mentioned the Jim Brown story. That was one that my elders told me. It was 1966. He had been a nine-time Pro Bowler for the Cleveland Browns in his nine-year NFL career. He started to act on the side. He got into a salary dispute with the team owner. And in 1966, to the surprise of everybody, he just flat out said, I'm not doing this anymore. That was the first, or among those I know for them, the first most shocking retirement. Michael Jordan in 93, Magic Johnson in 1991. We've had a lot of other examples, and Andrew Luck added his name to that list just last night. 1-800-849-2761. Broader question of the day, what was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? And what made it that? Team USA Basketball, the Little League World Series, the Gators over the Hurricanes in college football, Rory McIlroy, Aaron Judge, Cam Newton, Troy Aikman, among the vote getters here on my list. Speaking of college football, as we come to Marvin in Durham, Sam is in Chocolwinity, North Carolina, John, Matt, and others, not necessarily in that order. As the bigger news of the weekend was college football season number 150 getting underway. Florida over Miami, 24 to 20 in Orlando. The redshirt freshman quarterback for the Canes, Jaron Williams, wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. And the rest of the talent on that Canes team, from DJ Dallas at running back to all those NFL-bound linebackers and Trajan Bandy at cornerback, 
that's going to be a tough Canes team to beat by ACC standards. Do I think they're up there near Clemson? No. Do I think they'll give the Tar Heels more they can hand more than they can handle in Chapel Hill for Mac Brown Part Two's home opener? Remember, Carolina plays South Carolina in Charlotte this first full weekend of college football. Miami, after losing a close one to number eight in the nation in the preseason polls, Florida. Miami's off until they visit the Tar Heels on that stop number two of the big tailgate tour. We'll be at ECU at NC State this Saturday. We'll be at Miami against North Carolina in Chapel Hill the following Saturday night. More on those stories throughout the course of this week and next week. Elsewhere, we knew this was coming. James Blackman has been named the starting quarterback at Florida State. We've gotten these one by one at all the schools we follow across North Carolina and around the ACC and SEC. Matt McKay of NC State has been named the starter by Dave Doran. He is a redshirt freshman. There were three guys fighting for that job, and the Wolfpack really is among the latest, uh, among the last that I've seen. You know, I cover every team in the ACC and many more. Whereas uh, Zach Thomas is back at App State, whereas Jamie Newman and Sam Hartman are both back at Wake Forest, and whereas even Duke, whereas Daniel Jones is in the NFL with the Giants, a fifth-year senior named Quentin Harris, they've known as going to be the starter for what, nine months at this point. NC State, just within the last hour, names Matt McKay the starter, third-year player, sophomore in eligibility, 6'4", He was a three-year starter right here in the triangle for an outstanding program at Wakefield High School. He was a dual threat at that level. Remember, Dave Doran told us that Matt McKay started August practice as the number one, largely because he had the best grasp of the offense. So the Florida State slash Juco transfer Bailey Hockman uh, looked good at times. The redshirt freshman Devin Leary from New Jersey comes with a bunch of press, prep uh, passing records. The three-headed monster finally sorted out today, uh, and, and it was mostly as expected. Matt McKay will be the starter. I'm not sure NC State is one of those schools where the day one starter automatically stays the starter. If you're at one of these other schools, you get a longer leash if you're a returning starter. If you're a brand-new starter, and somebody else looked good in August, and you struggle, well, guess what? Dave Doran is unlikely to change. Five years in a row, the Wolfpack has had a future NFL quarterback at the controls. It was two years of Jacoby Brissett, now the Colts starter because of Andrew Luck's retirement, and then it was three years of Ryan Finley, now doing really good things as Andy Dalton's back up with the Cincinnati Bengals. When you go a little bit longer, this is a great fact. I think it was Joe Giglio of the News and Observer that I read it in his work. In 10 of the last 11 seasons, the NC State Wolfpack has been led by a future NFL quarterback. I mean, that's a crazy statement, isn't it? No wonder, and they, they rightly call themselves QBU. If you go back 11 years, there was only one year the pack did not have a future NFL QB starting. It was the baton being passed, remember, from Russell Wilson to Mike Glennon under the Tom O'Brien regime, and then the five straight years, Brissett to Finley. There was one year in between, and guess what? That was the worst year for the Wolfpack. These two facts are related, by the way. There's no doubt about it. Dave Doran shows up. He doesn't yet have a quarterback who's eligible. The Wolfpack had a horrendous year. 0-8 in the ACC. It was a train wreck. Every other year, 10 of the last 11. Yeah, you got a future NFL guy at the most important position on the field. Good things are probably going to happen. And every once in a while, great things might happen. Sam is in Chocowinity. Welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Welcome to the Andrew Luck conversation. Go right ahead. Good afternoon. It occurred to me this morning as I was listening to all the talk about Luck 
that that perhaps he might be uh, the Sandy Colfax of mm. our time. Mm. I'm old enough to remember Colfax's retirement, and uh, it was when he was still at the peak of his performance. Uh, there was still a huge future ahead of him, but his arm was becoming almost he couldn't comb his hair mm. with his arm and so he retired long before he could have because he wanted to be physically able to play golf and get around and comb his hair again yeah that sounds to me a lot like andrew luck i hear you I think he wants to stop playing but he just he'd like to be able to walk across the room and hold his baby you and, know, you, now and then. you know what's interesting magic johnson had that early retirement after the hiv diagnosis but he did come back uh, Michael Jordan had that shocking retirement in 1993, but he did come back. In your Sandy Koufax example, that that was it. And I agree that Andrew Luck, given what he's talking about with this endless cycle of injury, rehab, playing, and then getting injured again. I mean, he it's seriously four years running of that cycle. And especially when you miss an entire season from what you love – those who have played with Andrew Luck have not questioned his love and passion for football or his work ethic for it. There are some famous stories at Stanford where he calls up his buddy at 5 a.m. and said, let's get some work in, right? I mean, he loves the game. Of course, when people hear the I'm exhausted, I'm tired, it's in a mental and emotional toll, they're going to talk about grandpa and the coal mines, and he didn't give up. Well, Andrew Luck has been in a depression-like state through these battles for four years. And that's why I would hesitate as an outsider to judge him the way some of his critics have done over these last 24 hours. Yes, I was a left-handed pitcher, and I actually, there were times in my life that I could not comb my hair or brush my teeth with my left hand. I wish I was as good as Sandy Koufax, but Andrew Luck at 29, Sandy Koufax was one of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball, lefty starter way back in the 1950s and 1960s. And he, I believe he was roughly 30 years old when, as Sam and Chakawinity reminds us, he stepped away never to come back. Now, I wouldn't say never automatically with Andrew Luck. He's 29. He's a first-time husband this year. He's a first-time dad. Child is not even born yet, but he shared with folks that he's about to be a dad for the first time in his life. He actually married a woman who was an athlete at Stanford that he had met like a decade or so ago. So this guy's been all the right things on and off the field that, I, that I've ever seen. That's why I, I've, I've been disappointed in some of his critics. Again, there's a fair, a fair criticism of the Colts really yanking their fan base around over Andrew Luck's medical status, sometimes even lying to them in past years. That's a fair point, but I don't know why you'd blame that on Andrew personally. 1-800-849-2761. When I list the most important forks in the road of my life, seriously, in the top five would be health. Knock on wood, it's been overwhelmingly good. But a couple of the only scares I've had of any kind in five decades of life came with a weird health wrinkle. I have far fewer than most, and I am thankful for that, but it's a scare. There's no doubt about it. And for Andrew Luck, he's been scared by that cycle he described over these last four years. Another of the biggest forks in the road of life, maybe number one for me personally, parenthood. Is there anything more important any of us ever does? I don't care what your walk of life is. You bring a life into this world, you feel responsible, at least if you have any integrity. If you haven't sold your soul, you're going to do your best to help that child that you brought in, you helped create and bring into this world. I don't think there's anything I'll ever do. 
If I get a Father of the Year award, that's infinitely more important to me than Sportscaster of the Year, Sports Writer of the Year, or anything that I could possibly accomplish professionally. It's not even close. You know, as my kids get older, believe it or not, they actually appreciate their parents more. They have a new perspective. That's never happened, right? Only for the last, you know, 30,000 years in every culture, in every city in, or country, in every era. We think our parents are crazy and unnecessarily this or that, and then we start to see the light a little bit. Maybe if you don't come all the way around, that's okay. But think about it. He's about to be a parent for the first time. That will cause smart people to reflect. He is a husband for the first time. He is dealing with significant health issues. And the other thing that is in my top five would be financial stability. Man, I was scratching and clawing through my 20s. I didn't have much time to think about the bigger picture of life as I was making sure I could meet the rent payment, right? I I mean, when you're in his place, not just financial security, obviously, but the financial stratosphere, well, then it's not a good comparison to Grandpa the coal miner who gutted it out maybe through black lung but didn't have the choice that Andrew Luck has. He, He earned that choice. That's why I don't see where that resentment comes from just because he has a choice that maybe your your ancestors don't have or didn't have. Back after this on the David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Ryan McGee's going to talk college football in about five minutes. ESPN superstar. Darren, all of this criticism of Andrew Luck, again, from the loud and often angry minority, it reminds me of this song. Bon Jovi, you know that I have a minor in weepy glam rock ballads, right? <laughs> yes. And this is a classic weepy glam rock ballad. It's called Never Say Goodbye by Bon Jovi. The sports media members who are angry at Andrew Luck, don't they sound like spurned lovers? Like, at, at least in this case, if you know the lyrics, Bon Jovi is singing, remember when we lost the keys and you lost more than that in my backseat. He's talking about a couple of lovers staying together, never say goodbye. I didn't know so many felt that way about Andrew Luck. Ryan McGee, next. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. Uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.